0: Welcome to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I am your host today, AC. I am joined here today by one of uh, the brightest theological minds we have here at the church, uh, Craig St. John. He was born a saint, (laughs) and uh, with the the amount of education he's pursuing, he's going to be the future honorable reverend, pastor bishop, Dr. Craig St. John the Apostle. (laughs) Craig, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us who you (laughs) are. Well,
1: for one, the accolades are too extreme and hyperbolic, but I, I am as much a sinner as a saint. In any event, not, I'm probably not the brightest theologian out there, but I do love theology. I do love the Word of God. Uh, just inspired by by the ministry we have here at Redemption, being among this community. I'm humbled to be here with AC today as we talk about this. Uh, this is a, a great topic, and I look forward to discussing it further.
0: Yeah, so, so tell us a little about yourself. You know, you married, family, a little bit of your quick, you know... Yeah, story. yeah. So
1: uh, my wife Jess and I—we've been coming to this church for about ten years. We have four little kids, so mm. we got married. Uh, we're going on our ninth year anniversary here at the end of this month. Nice. And uh, we were after we were married for a couple of years, we started having kids left and right, so we have four little ones at home. Uh, they are ages six all the way down to just turned two. So we're busy, but uh, yeah, we're both juggling work and kids and uh, future studies and just all sorts of fun stuff. So God's blessed us in a bunch of ways, but uh, yeah, it's it's a handful. Nice, nice, awesome.
0: So what what path
1: passage are we jumping into today? So this week we're looking at John 7, uh, 1 through 9, or actually you can jump into uh, verse 10. Mm -hmm. But this is beginning what's known as the Feast of Booths, which actually encompasses uh, chapters 7 and 8. So it kind of jumps into what uh, Josh just preached on last week and what we covered in the podcast and the blog last week. But this is uh, to give a little bit of historical context if you want that right now. The Feast of Booths just goes way back to both Exodus and Leviticus. So this is one of the major three, what we call pilgrim feasts of, of Israel. So they would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem during certain times of the year. This actually occurs in the seventh Jewish month on the 15th day. So this year it will actually be like October 13th through 20th. Hmm. My birthday is the 20th. So I get to celebrate the seventh day of what's known as a Sukkot or Sukkot rather, I think would be the correct pronunciation, which is just the Hebrew word for tabernacle or booth. Mm -hmm. But this is a time of remembrance. The Israelites are remembering as they were, as Moses was leading them to be liberated from bondage and slavery in Egypt. And this is a time where they lived in tents because they were wandering around for 40 years. So this is just a time to remember that we, we are dependent upon God, that we are being led by God and his will, that his will is sovereign, which is what we're going to talk about today, and we're not dependent on our own will. Uh, this would be something to just celebrate agriculture, and, and, and a lot of these feasts have to do with the uh, cycles of, and the seasons of uh, farming. But this is remembering that we give of our first fruits, we give of everything to God because we are wholly dependent on him, and mm-hmm. we humble ourselves to live in humble means to remind us that uh, anything we have now
0: is not of our own doing or our own will, but of God's. I love that. I, I, love, I love the feasts because these are these built-in holidays that were designed to remind the Israelites of their story and who they are and what God has done. I mean, just imagine being a kid growing up. I think even the scriptures say that when your kids are going to ask you, hey, why are we out here sleeping in tents? It's an opportunity to tell your kids and and to raise your family uh, with a a consciousness of of history and God's acts in history. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, So as we're jumping into this passage, the thing that we're talking about is what it means to be dependent upon God as this festival would have reminded the Israelites of their historical dependence and the need for their present and future dependence on the Lord. And as you guys know, we're going through a series called Love Walked Among Us, uh, named after a book that's been handed around the church that we're reading to, and the author in the book, when he talks about this feast in the the chapter, he contrasts willfulness with dependence. Mm -hmm. So, Craig, what's the difference between willfulness and dependence? What's the difference between being self-willed and submitted to God?
1: Yeah, and I love the way Paul Miller, the author of this book, he brings this passage uh, in John 7 at the beginning of it to life. So in that text, first of all, to continue with the background, and uh, I'm sure you've read it already by the time you're listening to this podcast or heard it preached, but uh, so Jesus, it's the time of the the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, as it's called or uh, Sukkot, but uh, so Jesus' brothers, his actual literal brothers, the uh, sons and probably also sisters, depending on how you translate um, the Greek there. Uh, these are the children of Mary and Joseph. They're about to go to the feast. This is something they do annually. This is something that good Jews do. But if you read in the text there, they're actually um, wanting to do so because that first of all, more backdrop. So there's probably millions of Jews who are in Jer- Jerusalem at the time. And they're basically wanting Jesus to go show off, mm-hmm. to show his fame, to be a ma- magician, to, you know, hey, that's my brother. Look at him do all this stuff. You know, he's, uh, So it's really to cast the light on them. And they're wanting to this to be kind of his like political canvassing. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, you know, going to start, he's supposed to come in as this mighty figure to liberate uh, Israel from um, from Roman occupation so they see that this is his moment to shine and they can be drawn into that and they like can be a campaign the, rally the, it's a campaign rally it's it definitely is so uh, anyway so back so Jesus was like no I'm not gonna fall into that so uh, this is his brothers and sisters were showing their own will which uh, Paul Miller mm-hmm. draws out they were showing their will of what they want Jesus was saying no it's not my time yet and then you see an interesting um, word here that John loves to do all throughout his gospel which is go up Jesus said it is not It is not my time to go up to Jerusalem. And this is a play on words that John uses throughout his gospel. The Greek is uh, anabaios, And basically what it means is he uses it in the sense of Jesus going up on the cross and Jesus going up and ascending into heaven. So all throughout the gospels, you see Jesus Mm -hmm. as telling his disciples, and in this case, his brothers and sisters, it's not my time. So that's what he's saying. He he has a double or triple meaning there. I'm not going to go up yet. I'm dependent on my father's will and who my father is. I'm not dependent on your will. He's placing his heavenly father above his earthly family. So as much as he loves his brothers and sisters, and of course he does, he loves all creation. He was dependent on his father's will, first and foremost, not pleasing others, not going to be a charade in front of these million people. So uh, that's a little snapshot of what the difference between dependence on God and our own willfulness is.
0: Yeah. So when the author talks about willfulness, he says that it
1: pollutes love. Yeah. What what does he mean by that? What does that look like? So he brought in a couple interesting illustrations that I can relate to. One is being a father, but uh, one of which Miller brought up was his daughter who has a disability. She had spilled some crayons in the basement and actually, he uses this really color, colorful imagery before that, referring to a skunk getting let loose in the basement. Mm. So, so it just this, it's this pollution is disgusting when our own willfulness stink us uh, sneaks in. It's you're in a tight controlled space with bad uh, ventilation, and mm. then this skunk is just doing what skunks do, ripping this nasty stench, and it's all over you, and it won't go away. But uh, so going back to the to this basement imagery, his daughter's down there. She spills her crayons, and then he has to stop for a moment and think. Do I help her right now? Because I just want to get on with my day. I got to help Mm -hmm. her pick up those crayons. And as a father, I relate to that. Or given her disability, given her desire to learn to do things by herself, do I pause, slow down, and encourage her to do that herself? And he asked her what she wanted to do rather than his flinch reaction, which Mm -hmm. was to pick those up. As a father, I have four young kids. Uh, My wife and I are usually rushing back and forth to work. And uh, if she's at work, I'm with the kids. If if I'm at work, she's with the kids. So it's hectic. I'm trying to get work done while hanging out with my kids and uh, watching what they're doing and uh, trying to uh, just... Uh, corral them and keep them in line. And if they make a mess, if something uh, gets spilled or, or broken or needs to be picked up, I want them to be independent enough to do that themselves, but my my goal is I can do this a lot faster than you. Mm-hmm. It's my will that I just run through this really quick rather than loving them properly, rather than depending on slowing down, depending on, first of all, knowing my heavenly father, Probably stopping even pray. Paul Miller referred to, you, I'm going to pray about something as mundane as whether my, I should ask my daughter if, I could, if she mm-hmm. needs help picking up the crayons. So it's just realizing that I can pollute love because the best way to love my kids is the way that their heavenly father knows that they need to be loved, which is sometimes just walking through something with them slowly, slowly and patiently, not just rushing through how to get something done as quickly as possible.
0: That's a great example because it's so hard when life comes at you fast and in the moment, you have to make that decision Mm -hmm. between choosing your own desire or what's beneficial for the other person. It's almost easier for like the stereotypical traditional like ministry type stuff. Like if I'm going to speak on a podcast or if I'm going to teach, like I have time to prepare my heart and to get myself in the right posture. But you know, when you have kids and, and it, it, they spill something and you're on your way to do something, it's just that snap moment. Yep. And, and that's hard. That's what makes it hard. And so how does depending on God help. And how is, as the author phrases it, how is dependence on God the secret to love?
1: Yeah. And for one, I mean, th- what that looks like is prayer. And Millard focused on that. You know, you, you see all through the gospels, you see Jesus retreating. As much as he loved to be with people, as much as he came to heal and to present miracles and to, to love on people and uh, minister, he needed time of isolation. He was probably like a hyperactive introvert that needed time alone with his Heavenly Father, time to realize that he cannot do this without, first of all, being dependent on the Father, his Heavenly Father, and also on the power of the Holy Spirit. He took time of solitude and rest to pray and to be be dependent on God, to not just rush, as we often do in ministry, from one thing to the other, Mm -hmm. run from one town to the other. You know, in this case, he wasn't rushing off to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. He he knew that he was dependent on his Father's time. So it, it often is just slowing down, practicing spiritual disciplines, practicing practicing uh, rhythms that focus us and remind us of who he is, as opposed to following our own agenda, which especially in a hyper-individualized, fast-paced, polychronic culture that we have here in the United States, it just always go, 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 go. Rarely. And those of us in ministry, it seems almost hypocritical that we don't slow down Mm -hmm. and rest in in God and remind us that we are dependent on Him rather than our own will. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, these little kingdoms that we're establishing on our own, even within ministry, are just going to crumble if we're not focused on Him. Right,
0: right. And as we say here at Redemption All Time, all of life is all for Jesus. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we use the word ministry. And if you're listening to this, you can Almost give yourself a pass and think, well, I'm not in ministry. Yeah. I'm a regular person. But no, all of life's all for Jesus, like Ephesians says. You know, people who are in leadership in church are actually to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So, uh, you know, loving your kids, the the way that you do your job, all of that's ministry, and all of that, we're supposed to love our neighbor through what we do. How do I know? if I'm depending on God to love others. Like, what are some uh, warning lights, some check engine lights on the dashboard, so to speak, yeah. that I can know if I am or not? Yeah, well, first of all,
1: thank you for clarifying that nuance. I, you know, I think I mentioned, especially in ministry, but indeed we all are, all of us who call upon the name of the Lord are in some extent in ministry in whatever sphere God has us place. So uh, that is an important point to clarify here. But yes, warning lights, check engine lights, uh, when are we following our own self wills as opposed to being dependent on God? So ways to see that is just, again, slow down, reflect, Look at your own pattern of life. Uh, look at things that might be self destructive. Look at when you're fo- um, trying to serve yourself or get your name out there or anything that's not serving others, first and foremost. And to, you know, first and foremost, we're serving God, but we're also serving his people. And, uh, you know, we see that in the heart of Jesus. You know, again, going back to the fact that he does slow down, he takes time for solitude, but he needs to be recharged to go out there and ensure that he is doing something for the sake of his father and for the sake of humanity, which was the reason for which he came here in the first place. And because he's 100% God and 100% man, he had the same temptations, the same flesh that we do that is drawn to our own self-will. He needed that time to just check, uh, kind of check his barometer, check where he's at, see uh, indeed if he is pursuing his father's will and being led by the spirit. And that's the same thing we need to do. And uh, tangibly, again, we can just see that in our, just our own motivations. I mean, sometimes I just slowing down to take a look at why am I doing this thing that I'm doing? Or, you know, if if your schedule is constantly busy, which honestly mine is, do I need to be doing all these things? Is this really what God has for me? Or do I just feel like this is somehow my identity and I need to be chasing thing after thing after thing to present myself as the way that I want to appear as opposed to what God has actually called me to. So it really, could be anything, but, you know, take a look Mm. at your calendars, take a look at your schedules, take a look at your text messages, your phone calls, your social media, just what consumes your life. And that can really be a great guide to when you're pursuing your own will versus that of your heavenly father. Not my
0: social media, man. (laughs) No, that's really good, man. That's really good. And and I love that you bring up being busy in our schedules. The thing I love about the feasts is that Here are these times every year that are appointed that you have to divorce yourself from your normal daily rhythms and go do something that forces you to reflect upon who God is and what he's done in history. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, I think in our culture as Christians, the rhythms that we establish are often only daily rhythms. So I spend time in the Word and pray every day before I start my day, for example. But I think it's important to have weekly, monthly, semi-annual rhythms where we do what you're talking about, take a a step aside from everything and reflect on the way that I'm living my life and reflect on what are my motivations and reflect on why am I doing the things that I'm doing And to take those reflections up in prayer, uh, I think it's it's huge because it's so easy. I found being busy, working two jobs, going to school, that I can look up, and four or five months have passed, Mm -hmm. and because I'm focused on the day to day, what needs to be done, I can realize, you know, I haven't really thought about the poor in a couple months. I haven't thought about, I haven't made time to love the people that God has put in my life. I've kind of neglected them. Mm -hmm. You know, those types of things. It's so important, I think, to to have those times of reflection for sure. So far, the conversation has been just on the individual level. Yep. But what does it look like to depend on God as a family, yeah. as an RC, as a church? What does that look like? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, now's a timely time to think
1: about that as we're approaching Lent. So when we're talking about these liturgical calendar things, you know, th- th- these things are as ancient as ancient Israel, but the, the Christian church has been uh, following this for 2,000 years as well. So we, we have this series of Lent, this 40 days, as we call it here at Redemption. It's a time when we come together, when we reflect, when we, when we think about Jesus' ministry and the, the time leading up to Passover or to, to his death. To the to his last supper, to his ascension, to his glorification, we we follow the life of Christ and uh, think about what he did. But together in our RCs, um, corporately as a church, as we observe uh, you know Lent and Ash Wednesday, we just reflect on. Not in a way that is focusing on our, our depravity, which is often to the extreme, but we just realizing that we are wholly dependent on God. We are made in his image, but we are a, a broken image of that. And uh, apart from him, as we see in John 15, 5, for example, we can do absolutely nothing. So it's just reminding us that we are dependent. It's getting taking time to t- together and corporately uh, reflect. And whether we're putting ashes on our forehead or um, or whatever, you know, that's something symbolic. But if it's something that we're truly participating in, where we're just reminding us of our own mortality for one. And you know we are created to be an, uh, eternal beings, but that is only through the work of Christ. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So through those rhythms, through whether they're, they're liturgical prayers or songs that we sing or readings that we do together corporately or Bible studies that we have together in RC settings, we're just reminding ourselves that we can do great things together. And at Redemption Church, we obviously do. But if we're not taking this time to slow down and even maybe unplug from programs for a moment and just fall on our faces and be totally dependent on God, the Lord has certainly blessed this church and this ministry. And it seems like a lot of things that we do turn to gold, but apart from him and apart from taking time to slow down and be mindful of that, this whole thing could burn up. And it's not about Redemption Church. It's about being part of Christ's bride. Mm -hmm. We are one local extension of that. So we need to constantly be mindful mindful of that. So that's really kind of one of the key rhythms we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and But not only that, but just reminding us why we do things, why we serve. You know, like you said, you can take time to get so caught up in the busyness of life that you're not thinking about the poor. And we can even ironically do that when we're serving and helping the poor or mm-hmm. giving up our finances, but we're not really stopping to like pray for them mm. or talk to them or get to know them like we do with, you know, the With Collective on Thursdays, for example. So there's lots of great things that we can do, but if we're not keeping our mind on the reason behind it and that we, we can't even do these things apart from the work of Christ and apart from the power of the Holy Spirit and apart from the will of the Heavenly Father. Uh, We're screwed. We're broken. We can't do it.
0: Amen, man. Amen. And I love that you bring up the fact that like we can be giving money to the poor or to a specific need, but if you're not praying, are you really depending on God to do something here or are you depending on your own resources? And I think of what it looks like as an RC is, I think things like mutual confession Mm -hmm. are really good practices as an RC or as a family. I know that Matter of fact, at class the other day, one of my my classmates is married and he talked about this practice he does with his wife where uh, every week or two, what they'll do is take some time aside to do some mutual confession. So Hmm. he'll say, here are all the ways I think that I'm falling short in the marriage. And then he'll say, here are all the things I think that you're doing great. And then she'll do likewise. Here are the things I'm, I'm failing here are the things you're doing great. And he said, like, it's been a huge difference maker as what that's done for their marriage mm-hmm. and how they've been able to not just have like a good, happy marriage without conflict or less conflict, but actually live in mission together hmm. as a couple and be, awesome. and be focused. Um, so I think things like that, doing these disciplines together, whether it's prayer, confession, super important. I'm going to do a thought experiment. You can tell I've been discipled by Jim Mullins. Oh, indeed. It's the best. <laughs> Stoking the imagination. But imagine... That everyone who calls Redemption Tempe home, whether they come every week, whether they come once a month, twice a month, but everyone who calls Redemption Tempe their home for the next six months were utterly dependent upon God Mm. to love our neighbors and seek the shalom of the city, what would that look like?
1: Man, so I mean, we, we offer a lot of ways they can plug in. You know, look at Tempe 10, uh, look, look at our uh, ABCD, uh, just ways that we can plug in and love the city and seek the shalom of our city around us. But if people are truly like 100% engaged, they wouldn't just be following something that we're starting, mm. they'd be starting their own things, they'd mm. be multiplying. We see this multiplying effect. You know, Jesus sent out his 12, he sent out his 70, not just for the purpose of uh, being this small group that just following him, but to ultimately, I mean, yes, indeed follow him, but ultimately be sent out to have a multiplying effect to see that the church spread like wildfire as it did in the first couple centuries. Man, I, that would just be phenomenal to see that indeed happen here in Tempe. We, we all know, even of those, those of us who are employed by or serve the church in one capacity or another, we know when we're not 100% <laughs> dependent on God. And none of us, if we're being honest, are not. If we were 100%, including the 1,500 plus people that attend here and call this their home, that would have a phenomenal impact that My mind would just be, my mind's blown even trying to think about it. It would just be beyond comprehension. But I I think that the city would be better for it, where people are truly thinking of innovative ways to love their neighbors that we're not even thinking about here. The things that we haven't even assessed or looked for uh, when they're going into their places of work where we can't see what they do nine to five Mm -hmm. or their places of school or their neighborhoods, they would have eyes that are not looking on themselves, not looking at their schedules or what's next, but indeed looking at people, looking at their neighbors, looking for ways to love, looking for ways to be like Jesus. Um, I, I think this city would be flipped upside down in a good way.
0: Yeah, man, I that's great. Now let's flip that. Sure. Let's let's imagine that all of Redemption 10P spends the next six months drastically self willed and self dependent while still maintaining like regular church attendance, whatever programs, ministries they're involved in. What would that look like?
1: Man, so if we're talking from the elders, pastors, all staff, all directors of this church down to the the average attendee. It would look disastrous. I mean, we've seen cases, and I'm not going to name any names, but of big churches, big ministry empires crumble because their minds weren't properly focused, because they were chasing their own will and their own desire and not checking their own spiritual health and their, what their dependence on God looks like. So this church, I mean, man, after six months, we could feasibly close our doors. Mm. Uh, people would no longer have a, pl- a place to call uh, a home church. Or you know, maybe the few that are actually engaged and desire to seek God's will, they might see that we're messed up and they might go down the street. We would see all the overlooked people in our city, as we're focused on ourselves, as we're focused on our our own agendas, on uh, the smooth podcast we're producing or whatever, if we're Mm -hmm. not seeking the Lord's will through these things and just looking to get our own name out there or whatever credentials we think come with serving in ministry or serving in our, whatever we're doing, serving in our jobs or just being part of a a church or a network that is relatively trendy in this area or whatever. Yeah, we're just going to fall on our faces and Mm -hmm. it, it will crumble and we aren't living like Jesus and we are just like any other evil organization mm. out there that's not pursuing god's word god's mm. will rather evil that's it's harsh but
0: true yeah, not <laughs> no a I, like I try it. to use too often but you know <laughs> it's in the bible this evil church i go to you know i'm I play devil's advocate of this question man because i wonder i wonder if things would even look all that different and and let me explain what i mean oh, okay. when i say that um not to say that like oh we're doing a horrible job as a community depending on god but i I feel like dependence upon self is one of those insidious things mm-hmm. that the uh, the outward appearance can look the same. For someone who is not sure. who is depending White-wash on God, tomb. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, I wonder because I've heard Tyler Johnson say that uh, you know one of his biggest concerns with Redemption Congregations, one of our biggest dangers, is humanism, is the hmm. idea of relying upon our own intelligence, our own resources, our own abilities, our own programs and strategies to do ministry. I know Ricardo says a lot to the residents. The the dangerous thing about about pastoral ministry is that it can be learned, mm-hmm. It's something that you know, you can kind of fake it till you make it. Yep. You can kind of put on these outward appearances. And so if everyone was drastically self-willed and self-dependent, my fear is, I wonder if it would look that different. Mm. Are we depending upon God as a as a as a congregation or are we depending on like our brand, who yeah. we are as redemption, the things that we do different from other churches that make us unique and, and the things that draw us as individuals to, to call this our home church, are we relying on those things? You know, is that our banner that we're waving or is it is it Yahweh, is it the Lord of hosts?
1: That's an interesting point. I mean, yeah, I mean, churches can run slick programs, have slick marketing, have a slick brand. And we've, there's plenty of case studies out there. We're well familiar with plenty of them. And yeah, they can fake it for a while. But are they sustainable, hmm. or are they going to crumble at some point? So yeah. maybe to find the balance between our, <laughs> I had the extreme, we're going to fall <laughs> on our face in six months, and you're like, yeah, you can still run a pretty slick program, but I think I don't think it's
0: going to be sustainable in the long run. Absolutely, and like like you mentioned, Jesus said, apart from Him, we can do nothing. Absolutely not. So it might have <laughs> this flare and an outward flash, but have no substance. But the the beautiful thing too, just to bring it to a more positive note, is that God is going to complete His mission of redeeming all of creation. Mm-hmm. And he has given his spirit to empower us so that we can participate. And I think for me personally, that's been a huge thing as far as like not depending on myself is realizing that this is not my agenda or program to begin with. Right. Amen. And it's it's God's. And so I get to participate. And so I know a practical difference that has made in my prayer life has gone from praying, God, here's all the things I'm doing. Please bless it, to Lord, I want to participate. Mm. What would you have Good. us do? Yeah. You know. And then, yes, I'm participating in here. Let this be done through the power of your spirit. It's a lot, man. we covered a lot of ground, but when it comes to the topic of depending on God and not depending on ourselves, what would be your take-home? Someone listening to this is forgetting everything else that we say. What would be the one thing that you would hope they take home?
1: Man, I mean, it's just a couple of things we mentioned. It's, it's rhythms, and you know, it can be your daily rhythm of I get up, fall on my knees, I pray, I read scripture, um, even if it's just a couple verses, even if it's just a quick psalm, just something to rewire you or keep you wired rather keep you tethered to god and remind you of, of who you are um, in him uh it's the more seasonal rituals you know it's it's the church calendar it's you know lent advent uh you know christmas easter all the above just remembering the reason that we follow all this uh we're not just part of a club christianity is not a club mm. we are christ followers or at least that's who we're supposed to be and that truly means modeling the image of who christ is so it, it, it's you know, we don't like to talk about work. We just think that, you know, we're, we're saved and that's it. And we'll just await glory. But it, it does take effort, but this effort is dependent on God. To, to be dependent on God, we have to have a relationship with Him, mm-hmm. and a relationship has to involve communication, and that communication is through par- prayer and through reading the reading of the scriptures um, faithfully. And uh, a- apart from that, we are going to chase our own agendas if we don't become regrounded uh, on a daily basis, on a seasonal basis, mm-hmm. in who Christ, would, um, who Christ is, who the Father wants us to be, and uh, by whom we have our power, which is in the Holy Spirit.
0: So good. So good. Uh, the only thing I'll add to that is uh, talking about prayer and pressing into it. I know that a lot of times, my own experience, and I've heard other people share this, that sometimes the struggle with prayer is you come to God with a list of things to pray over and your mind just keeps running everywhere else. Mm, Yeah. Tell me about it. And and you're like, wow, I got to get back to this list. I heard something recently that kind of changed my attitude towards that. Hmm. And I think might be helpful for people who are listening to this and thinking, yeah, the Lord's putting on my heart, I need to pray more, is to embrace those distracted thoughts. Hmm. If something pops up in your head, Instead of trying to like fight it and focus on your list, pray about it. You know, if it's something like, oh, you know, I'm trying to pray for our national government and state leaders, but I keep thinking about how annoyed I am with this person at work. Yeah, uh, you know, good. Pray about that. Bring that. Because who knows what God is putting on your heart during those times to draw you into prayer. And I know in the short time that I've begun to implement that, it's been huge to making prayer something that's enjoyable and something that's sustainable and not something where I feel like I'm just pushing against my own nature.
1: That's good. Yeah, I like how you mentioned the second a sinful thought whether it's a temptation, whether it's thinking poorly about somebody else, the second that thought comes into your mind, especially while you're praying, and it happens, it mm-hmm. happens in my prayer life, nip it in the bud right mm-hmm. there. That's that's a great point, man. Pray about it.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, thank you so much, Craig, for being on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, good to be here. I had fun. We're going to have you on more episodes. And, Look uh, forward to it. Awesome, awesome. And so you guys check us out next week.